Listener Production. Hey there, Benzion Siebert here with your afternoon edition of The Briefing. This time last year, everyone was losing their goddamn minds about ChatGPT. The AI chatbot was coming for our jobs. It could do anything. It was this close to godlike artificial intelligence. Since then, things have settled down a bit. We're yet to see hundreds of millions of jobs replaced by AI. I mainly use ChatGPT to give me extremely uninspired recipes out of what's left in my fridge. ChatGPT has sort of been labeled a glorified autocorrect, but it has a lot of potential and so do other artificial intelligence models like it. It's a large language model, which essentially means it predicts the next word in a sentence. Now, Danish researchers have taken the principles of large language models like ChatGPT to do something stunning, to reliably predict future events in individual human lives. Soon Lehman is a professor at the University of Technology, Denmark, and one of the authors of the study released in Nature Computational Science late last month. He joins me now from Denmark. Soon, you and the team plug data from the 6 million residents of Denmark into your model. What did you find that you could predict using that information? Well, so the model in a way, just like the language models, is a what we call a foundation model, meaning that it can really predict anything for which you have training data. But in the paper, we had to choose something to predict. And so what we looked at was uh, predicting personality. So we had a lot of Danes who had filled out personality questionnaires so we could train on them and learn the patterns of their answers and then predict what kind of unseen cohort would answer to make a guess what they would answer on their questionnaires. And we can do that quite well and, and better than sort of competing uh, methods, even methods running on neural networks. And then we also look at predicting early mortality. So we look at some period and then we try and uh, guess who would be alive after uh, a subsequent period of four years. Okay. And how accurate were these predictions? For example, with mortality, how reliable was it that someone would survive in that cohort? Yeah, so, I mean, the paper has been widely reported on across the world and the reports have been that, you know, we could predict when people would die down to the day and second, (laughs) but uh, that's not the case. Our model is better than any other model that we compared it to, but it's still not by any means perfect. The number that is cited is that the accuracy is 78.8%. And that means that out of 100 guesses, the algorithm gets it right 78.8% of the time. Is it a bit weird for you in a science fiction-y kind of a way to be part of a team that has developed technology that can, in a very specific couple of ways predict the future? Well, I mean, technologies that predict the future have existed for literally hundreds of years. So weather forecasts attempt to predict the future using mathematical models and in some some sense AI. Economists have been running uh, regression models, which are also a form of uh, machine learning for uh, at least, uh, I don't know, 80, 90 years. Um now probably economists are going to be mad at me for getting this wrong, by the way. But so, so lots of predictions of 
futures of human beings have been made before we created our model. It's just that our model is interesting because it finds a whole new way of doing it. Okay, so you mentioned that that you chose a couple of different things for this paper that this model could do, but I want to ask you to explore some of the potential of this kind of model in the future. Is there a future here in which something like this could be like a genuinely reliable psychic? Could you come to this model and put your data in and find out specific things about your own future? I think I'd have to go back to the language models here. What you mentioned in the introduction is that they are a kind of autocomplete, but a really, really wild kind of autocomplete where it has to learn about Shakespeare internally in the model so that it can reliably autocomplete Shakespeare lyrics, but also gangster rap or any other kind of genre of text you can imagine. It has to learn science in some sense because it has to autocomplete scientific papers. In a similar way, our model is a way of modeling human lives in a way that can capture kind of patterns that we would not be aware of. So in that sense, um, it could really help us make accurate predictions. For example, in healthcare, where it could potentially see uh, patterns and include data sources that we haven't typically used. We know that uh, the life that we live really impacts our health, but at the same time, the models that we now use use in healthcare don't really use information about the life we live so much. So this could really be a breakthrough in that sense. But at the same time, it's still just correlations. It's still just glorified autocomplete, but it's in this very deep sense that it can learn patterns that we as humans may not be aware of. Have you watched The Minority Report? Of course. It's a, a fantastic movie. <laughs> okay. So in the, in the Minority Report, effectively there's technology that can tell you whether or not a particular person is going to commit a crime. Is that something that there's potential here for with this model? Yes. Just like you can predict personality or early mortality, you could also predict probability of someone committing a crime. That being said, I think that's something that you should you should never do. We already have lots of algorithms out there, in fact, that try and predict crime, uh, that try and predict recidivism, and they're used especially in America. And it's a terrible thing <laughs> to use these algorithms because what they do is they learn patterns in the data, data that reflect maybe unfairness and injustice in the past. And then they make policemen focus on areas that are likely to commit crimes, which means likely to commit crimes in the past. And so they reinforce basically patterns from the past. So you have to be very careful with these models in that sense. Hmm. You're a resident of Denmark yourself. So presumably your own data was in this data set. Have you ever imagined if you were able to uh, access that data, what it might show? I have to say that, um, you know, even if I wanted to check my own data, it would not be possible because we worked in this kind of in a secure environment with the data. It's not on the internet or anything you can download and everything is is what we call de-identified. So you can't really find any identifiers. But if I found my own data, I don't know. Perhaps I would say probably I wouldn't try and predict my own 
uh, mortality. But if I were worried about some kind of disease or something, it could be interesting, of course, to get some extra <laughs> information out there. But I mean, I would try and develop something that could be used by everyone and not just for my own uh, sinister purposes. <laughs> what will you be developing or what are you planning to develop with this kind of technology into the future? And what, what do you think is the most, I guess, exciting or potentially bad application of this moving forward? Because obviously this technology is only going to develop further. Yeah. So, you know, I'm interested in what we call basic science. So really understanding what are the things that we can learn about human beings from studying uh, those models. If you look at the paper, what we spend a lot of time on is actually trying to understand what the model is doing and what it's, you know, thinking in an abstract sense. And I want to continue that work. And so I'm interested in a few things. So I'm interested in how our social networks impact what we can know about a person in the sense that you know that um, we know that family is super important, but we haven't really quantified it. So how does knowing about your, let's say your family or your coworkers or the people you live with, how does that change our ability to make predictions about individuals? And, and, and I think that's a really kind of deep and interesting question that we know is important. We know that your relationships really shape your life, but at the same time, we don't know anything about kind of the quantitative, how, how it really works. So that's one aspect. Another really exciting aspect is to understand prediction better. We live in a society where we're increasingly predicted by tech giants, basically, but we don't really know what's possible to predict. So I also want to understand, let's say, the timescales of prediction. You know, you and I, we probably know what tomorrow looks like. Maybe we have an idea of a month from now, but what about 10 years or 20 years. So this idea of the timescales of how our ability to predict and how that changes with what we're predicting. Maybe we can predict far into the future with health, but not so much with the labor market or the other way around. That's not known and that's something that we would love to study. Well, this is absolutely fascinating research and thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for the chat. That was really cool. That was Soon Lehman, a professor at the University of Technology, Denmark. And that's all we have time for in today's afternoon briefing. The morning team will be back tomorrow from 6am, bringing you an interview with comedian Christian Hull. It's all about the nine-month cruise that's been garnering a lot of attention recently on TikTok. In the meantime, if you've got feedback on the show or guest ideas, hit us up on Instagram at The Briefing Podcast and send us a DM. I'm Ben Sion Siebert. Thanks for listening. <laughs>